Shabbos has an interesting feature, which is unique in the world of halacha. We know that in many places there is a distinction when it comes to Shabbos between whether a person, Rahman al-Itzlan, God forbid, violates Shabbos, Bitsina, in the privacy of a quiet, secluded place, versus if they violate Shabbos, Bifarhesia, in an open and public arena. The Gemara in Chulim, in the beginning, when it's discussing the context of and the, the details of what's called a mumar. A mumar is somebody who is a, a transgressor of different strata. The Gemara says, well, you know, this is a very important difference between whether or not somebody violates Shabbos B'tzinah or B'farhesia. Because if a person violates Shabbos B'farhesia, if a, pub- a person is a public Shabbos violator, then they enter into a new halachic category. And this is pretty serious. This is what we call Dino Ka'akum. They have the halachic status as somebody who is the equivalent of a Gentile. Now, first of all, what exactly it means for a Jew to have the halachic status of a Gentile is a very complicated story. The sugya of Mumar is very complex, especially the application of this din, Bizman Hazeh, already in the 18th century and the 19th century, Poskim, especially in Germany, the Binyan Sion and those who came after, understood that the context in which traditional Jews were living because of the rampant assimilation meant that this needed to be understood perhaps in a new light. It needed to be applied differently than it was before. But in concept, there's such a thing as a mumar, someone who is an apostate. In old times, they would call this person a mishumad. A mishumad, they have a halachic status of a Gentile for certain things. They lose their status of being Jewish, whatever that means, which is not for today. But when it comes to other areas of halacha, you have a mumar leteyavon, somebody who does something in error because they're just driven by their desires, and that happens sometimes, I would say, to all of us. And then there's someone who's called a mumar lahachis, somebody who is a deliberate transgressor. Those are two different categories. But mumar leteyavon, mumar lahachis, even in the context of idol worship, these categories, they do not distinguish between different contexts. It doesn't matter whether one does the mumar, the act that is l'teyavon or l'hachis, in private or in public. Even, there is a machlokas, even when it comes to avodah to idol worship. If according to the opinion that idol worship, it doesn't matter whether that takes place in a public or a private sphere, so then why is it that when it comes to Shabbos, there's a difference between somebody who violates Shabbos b'farhesia publicly and b'tzina? And this comes up in many different places in Halacha. It appears in different places in Shas and has a lot of applications. First, there's a question, how do you define b'farhesia? Does that mean the same, um, the same definition as elsewhere in Halacha? Is it in front of 10 Jews? Is it in front of just others? It's a good question. But this idea that there's something different about public versus private, we we don't even find that elsewhere in halacha. Interestingly, in traditional halacha, there's only one other significant category, which is going to be relevant to this, that uh, the distinction between public and private is, is important, and that is in the realm of Shmad, God forbid. 
of being coerced by Gentiles to violate the din, and there it distinguishes, the Allah distinguishes between public and private. That's what we call Kiddush and Chil Hashem. So in the context of Kiddush and Chil Hashem, that's where we distinguish between public and private. But when it comes to eating treif, we distinguish between your motives of L'teyavon or L'hachis, but we don't distinguish between public and private. So why is it true for Shabbos? And who asked this question? Rav Moshe asked this question. <coughs> the late Gaon Rav Moshe Feinstein, this is in the Chelek base of Evan Ezer. He has a tshuva here in Simen Chaf. It's a somewhat lengthy tshuva about a person, this is a difficult circumstance, a person who was a sofer, who was, unfortunately, for his parnasa, he was a chazan in a certain shul. And in this shul, he, he followed the, the transition of the shul into a new set of practices, we will call them, in which he violated the Shabbos. They started to institute a microphone and other things that were a violation of Shabbos. And B, he didn't, he didn't give up his parnasa. So the question was, could this person qualify to continue to write Gittin? That was the Shiloh that was posed to Moshe. It's a difficult question. It was a place where they didn't have so many options, obviously. So Moshe says, at the, toward the end of the tshuva, he says, I, I'm, I'm familiar with the Binyan Zion, which is the whole discussion we referenced earlier, not for today. He says, but wait a second, I want to understand. He says, why is it that when it comes to Shabbos, that it depends on whether or not the person is violating this din privately versus publicly. If a person, God forbid, violates the malacha of tochen, of grinding, in the privacy of their home, they're just as machal Shabbos as if they did it publicly. They're also chayv, rachman al-islan, skila, and kares, and chatas, and everything. So he says, why? Why does it matter? If it's public or private, it's a bomb kasha. So two approaches that can help us appreciate two different dimensions of Shabbos. This idea that there's a sensitivity to Shabbos in the public square, that Shabbos is not just an issue that I personally need to maintain my own observance, but it also affects the environment, is something that emerges from this idea of Befarhesia. So number one, this relates to a discussion that we had long ago about whether or not the Isra of Shabbos, the restrictions of Shabbos are on me personally, individually, that I should be at rest, or that no malacha should be happening in the world. The idea of Bifarhesia, that a person should not violate Shabbos publicly, leans more in the direction that we want to make sure that the public spaces are free of Shabbos violation, Shabbos desecration of activity happening. That lends more in the second type of orientation. But the second idea is that this idea of Shabbos being Bifarhesia, it in many ways influences the character of the public square that we share as a community, and more importantly, as a nation. If you think about one of the most challenging and hot-button issues over the last 75 years in the state of Israel is how to navigate and negotiate public observance of Shabbos busing, trains, shops, all of these sensitivities. There's a lot of extensive discussion about this in society. So now when we think about Shabbos, it's not just my 
personal observance of Shabbos, there is a collective national space, sphere, a dimension. So why is that? So two options. One is, Rabbi Chaskal Abramsky, in his commentary on the Tosefta, in the Chazon Yecheskel, in the third parak of Bechoros, believe it or not, <clears throat> there was a book that I bought off the shelf the last time I was in Israel. I had this marmokum. It was a wild marmokum. He asked the same question. Rabbi Cheskel Abramsky was a dying in England during the Second World War. Major, major Talmud Chacham. And he says, I'll tell you why I think this is, this is true. The reason why it's different about Shabbos between pri- private and public, he says, because there is a mechilta. The mechilta says, That's a pasuk in Yeshaya. Says the mechilta. Mikan amru Yisrael meshumen hamishaber shabbosu b'shuk hari huki Yisrael lechol davar v'sheino meshaber shabbosu b'shuk hari huki goig lechol davar. If a person observes Shabbos publicly. So then, he's called a Yehudi, even if the other things are lacking. But, if he's Machal Shabbos, then not. He says, why? He says, it's Mikan Amru, because Machazikim Bivrisi. Because Shabbos is a bris. It's a covenant. Shabbos is also referred to as an os, a sign. Who is that covenant with? The covenant, of course, is with every individual, but primarily, it's Osi Baini, Uvein B'nai Yisrael. The reason Shabbos needs to have also a Farhesia element to it is because that bespeaks the collective covenant that we have with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So that's Tzad number one. A person who doesn't respect Shabbos in a public s- sphere is diminishing the public connection that we have to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's side one. Ramosha suggests a, a different Shad, and there's going to be L'chorah, nafkamina between these two pshatim. Reb Moshe says, you know, of course, what's so problematic about Chilol Shabbos is that it's a denial of the Bria, of the fact that the Rabbonu Shalom created the world. He says, says Reb Moshe, he says, if a person, Misha Machal Shabbos, if a person is Machal Shabbos, but he does so in private, you don't necessarily know. You don't, you can't say for certain. You could say, maybe he believes, and he's just subject to the, the, the drives, the Yitzhahara that's pushing him. He believes that the Rebbe created the world. He couldn't control himself. Lots of people see him. People will say, oh, it's probably because he doesn't believe that the Rebbe created the world. Because, it's as if you are communicating a message to others that you deny. Even though, when it comes to other areas of halacha, the chazal actually think that it's worse to do an avera betzina in private. Why? Because it shows that you're embarrassed in front of other people and you're not embarrassed before the one who sees everything. What kind of message is that? But says Rav Moshe, when it comes to Shabbos, 
Shabbos is a demonstration of your faith, your belief that the Rebbe created the world. And when you state publicly where actions speak louder than words, if you act in a way that denies that, mitzad haroim, people are going to see, therefore they're going to get that impression of you. So Moshe has an interesting nafkamina. He says, let's say a person is Machal Shabbos Bifar Hesya, but you know he's a mamin. You know he believes. He's the chazan in the shul. <laughs> so maybe you could suggest, or Moshe says as a possibility, since you see that he observes Shabbos in all the other areas, it's just that he... he, he he didn't withstand the nisayon of, of quitting that job in the shul with that, that was via, causing him to violate Shabbos. But you know that he believes in Shabbos. That's what you call an anasadi. You're convinced of that. So he says, maybe in such a case, that shouldn't constitute a befarhesia. According to Rabchatzka Labramsky, the fact that somebody violates Shabbos befarhesia, that's a diminishment, that's a pagam in the collective bris. And that's going to be, that's of that... That's going to be a violation at that level of Mumar Dino Ka'akam, leaving aside all the other Cheshbonos. As opposed to, according to Rav Moshe, it's possible that because everybody knows that the person is generally Shomer Shabbos, of course the person believes in Maisabrashis. Maybe that wouldn't be such a violation. But what it reminds us is that these two key themes of Shabbos, the fact that it is a bris, an os, beini ubeinechem, and number two, that it is an indication of our emuna that the Rebbe created the world, those are going to be most expressed in this unique way in the idea of Befarhesia. And that's why when it comes to Shabbos, there's a different status in Halacha between private and public, between Betzina and Befarhesia.